This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome back to five on three alongside a new line mate, Dylan Balsamo. I am Chris Hennessy. A exciting time in the conference finals, Dylan, a lot to talk about. And um, our first ticket punch to the Stanley Cup. Absolutely. This has been a very interesting for hockey. I think it's worth noting before we even start that was it yesterday or the day before uh, the NHL announced seven straight weeks of, of no positive COVID tests, which is yes. fantastic. goes to show just how well they have been keeping themselves inside the bubble and how wonderfully they've constructed this format. It really goes to show that it was possible. Yeah. I mean, the, the bubble has been outstanding. We'll, we'll start talking about that a little bit. I mean, you have two separate ones. You come into one, and, yeah, it was yesterday afternoon that they announced seven consecutive weeks of no COVID tests. And what it leads me to believe, Dylan, and as FUV NHL beat reporters, maybe we don't love this, but it's probably the reality that we should come to love as hockey fans is that the next regular season is in most likely going to be in this bubble format and in all likelihood going to be in four Canadian cities. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't think um, – you know, while, you know, you and I are probably disappointed by that, you know, we love travel to the Prudential Center and the Garden and, and Long Island to go see our, to go see the regular teams play. But at the end of the day, what we do want is hockey. Exactly. That's what we want more than anything. And if we're, you know, it doesn't really matter if we're sitting up at a press box or we're sitting behind the glass or we're sitting behind the glass of our own television. What it is is hockey. Exactly. And that's the wonderful thing. And it's, it's been very exciting and we'll get into it. There are now three teams remaining. Uh, for the Stanley Cup as Dallas last night, recording this on Tuesday afternoon, Dallas last night um, takes down Vegas in overtime. An absolutely thrilling first period. Heartbreaking for, you know, if you take out my objective portion, which isn't that hard to do, take out um, heartbreaking for me as somebody who will always refer Robin Leonard, but as he kind of he kind of got um, manhandled there in the third period by a really poignant Dallas offense. Tyler Sagan struggled. He struggled all playoff long, but they have had just random people you've never heard of step up. Heiskanen didn't even have that great of a game last night. And between Anton Kudobin, Jamie Benn, and Yoel Kiviranta, the Dallas Stars are four games away from the Stanley Cup. They really are a remarkable team. I don't think anybody was expecting this. And, you know, I think a lot of us in hockey, especially uh, those of us of a of a certain younger age, will always have some kind of special soft spot for the Golden Knights after seeing how miraculously they went to the cup final in their first year. And it did kind of seem like, oh, maybe this was the year. Um, you know, but either way, this is a great uh, Dallas team. And you talked a little bit about um, Leonard. And, you know, it was difficult to watch uh, him, as you said, get manhandled in the third period last night. But at the end of the day, you know, his team was not as good as they should have been in this series. And he was part of the reason that perhaps they even got as far as they did. Oh, 100%. He was really outstanding. He really was fantastic. And the reason I say he got manhandled is because there were six guys or five guys in green standing on top of him the entire third period, and he just couldn't save all of them. And he only mirac- – miraculously, he only let in two. I don't know how he did let in four. Yeah. Um, and just – I mean, I don't know if you made it all the way to the end of overtime because it was pretty late, but, <laughs> I mean – my heart breaks for this kid who is – I can't remember the name, his name now – who is playing defense for Vegas. I'm going to look it up because he's a young player. White Cloud, I think is his name. Um, and he's a young player who had a great game. The um, TV guys were promoting – like 
talking about him. Yeah, Zach Whitecloud, number two from uh, Vegas. Plays a great game. Young player, like third-line pairing. He's out there in overtime, and he does exactly, exactly what every coach has taught him to do, which is you're going to get beat to the puck, swing your stick, knock it towards the corner, get it away from your goalie. Don't let him just take the puck. And he does that, and it just it caught underneath like a like a perfect chip, like a perfect bunker shot and go. Just right underneath it, straight up into the air into the stands. And you just saw this kid's face when he stopped and he looked at the ref like, oh, my God, I just lost the Western Conference Finals. Like, it was – it was heartbreaking because he does exactly what he's yeah. supposed to do and does not get it around. But Dallas, look, give it to Dallas. They played a fantastic last 15 minutes of the third period and into overtime. And, I mean, it was a five-game series. Let's not pretend like it was close. And, um, I mean, Dallas Dallas continues a trend now of Western Conference teams who we would have never picked to go to the Stanley Cup going. This would not be the fourth consecutive year, I would really say that. You talk about Nashville, who was an eight seed. Talk about Vegas, who literally didn't exist the year before. St. Louis, who was in last place on January 1st. And now Dallas, who, granted not for performance reasons, had a coach change, coaching change in the middle of the season and goes with their backup goalie because Ben Bishop – well, I mean, maybe Kudobin really is their starter, but Ben Bishop is a bigger name. Ben Bishop doesn't even play in the playoffs, and they got this Anton, Anton Kudobin, who they're rolling with and is absolutely fantastic. Let's talk about Vegas a little bit, though. This is this really was felt like a cup or bust team when they come out flying in the round robin. They the first overall seed, they they cruise through the first couple rounds. This really felt like, well, I guess they didn't cruise through the second round. They went to seven games, but they cruised through those first five games, and then Thatcher Demko kind of stopped them a little bit. But this felt like a cup or bust team that every year they're getting older and eventually some of these players that they've gotten are going to start to go away and Vegas's window feels like it is closing a little bit. It does kind of feel like it has been closing. And, you know, like you said, they were met in the conference finals by Kudobin who had himself, you know, we talked about Leonard a little bit, but Kudobin had himself one hell of a series, like my goodness. Um, but at the end of the day, this Vegas team, you say what you want about them. They just didn't do what they had to do in this round. You know, oh, they were, Especially, yeah. Uh, offensively, definitely. They just were they were not scoring on the power play. They could not take advantage of their own opportunities. They let themselves give away momentum. You know, when you look at it offensively, I think you might say in terms of, like, shots on goal, they were the better team. Yeah. They, I don't they, think it, just on paper, they're absolutely the better team. They're absolutely the better team. You know, every single metric would say, oh, Dallas is going to – I mean, not Dallas, excuse me. Vegas is going to win this series. Uh, but at the end of the day, they were able to give away momentum. Dallas in, you know, three of these five games was able to score first. And that's really what did it for them at the yeah. end of the day. That, you know, uh, uh, with the exception of last night, the team that scored first ended up winning the game. That momentum is so important between these two teams it ended up being. And Vegas was just able to give it away. Well, I think you look at last night, you talk about giving it away. Not only do they score the first goal, but they score the second goal. They're up 2 nothing, 15 seconds, uh, 30 seconds into the third period. Riley Smith with yeah. a great shot coming down the right wing. And at that point, I'm really thinking that the game is over because Leonard's played a fantastic game. They've been better in front of him. Their offense has gotten better. Their offense was showing something, granted only two goals. That Chandler Stevenson goal in the first period. What a pass from Shea Theodore. If you haven't seen that. That was a crazy goal. Wow, what a pass that was. Um, yeah. Anyways, not the point. 
Um, but it's 2 nothing. They're playing the best game that they probably played all series long. But they just couldn't put Dallas away. Dallas was really pesky. They were real, and then they just throw out that Ben and Radulov line, and they score a goal. Like every time that line was out there, they were this close to scoring a goal, and then they finally broke through. And Yoel Kiviranta in um, the third period, who literally we never heard of, played like no NHL games before the bubble, and comes in, scores a hat trick against Colorado in Game Seven, scores the tying goal in this one. And then Dallas wins in overtime. Dennis Gurliolov, excuse me, um, with the game winner. So Dallas off to the Stanley Cup final for since for the first time since 2000, when they lost to the New Jersey Devils. Now they will face the winner of, as we know, Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders. Um, heartbreaking one on Sunday, man. Let me tell you. You talk about a game it really was, yeah. that was. The whole series is 3-1 one way or 3-1 the other way because of a total of about 30 seconds of hockey. You talk about the last 15 seconds of game two where the Islanders played – the Islanders outplayed Tampa Bay in game two. They should have won the game, but they just couldn't score on the freaking power play. They had over 10 minutes of power play time, couldn't score. We talked about that with Jackson High last week. And Kucherov scores to win the game. Then game three, they come out flying. They play a great game, game three. They, they lose the 3-1 lead. They come back. Brock Nelson, game over. Great. Biggest Islander game in my entire life. Try to suck, tie this series up at two, make it a best of three. You're two wins away from the Stanley Cup final. And those 12 seconds after the Nelson goal are absolutely heartbreaking. Because you, talk, yeah. you, you go up one nothing. You finally break through on Vasilevsky. Yeah, they've played a terrible game up to this point. A terrible game. Varlamov has been great. The Islanders really haven't been, but they break through. They're up one nothing. Now you got to take that momentum. You got to chip the puck deep, play your game, and let's go. Let's let's win a one nothing, two nothing, two one hockey game. They do that. They get the puck. They put it deep in their corner, and all of a sudden, Tampa spreads the ice. The way Tampa spreads the ice and uses the neutral zone is, it's my. It's actually like mesmerizing to watch. It is. They're, they they're the ice. fantastic team. They're fantastic. And all of a sudden, Braden points in on a breakaway. And, yes, Varlamov should have come out and played the puck forward, but they're just – they got to clamp down defensively there in those 12 seconds, and then they come right back and they score another goal, Andre Palat. So, to be down 2-1 to one, 27 seconds after being up one to nothing, is painful beyond words. They lose 4-1. to one. Um, Now they're down to the last life. Game 5 is tonight. And – I think the first line matchup has been what is the difference because you look at Palat and Kucherov, who are two of the best players in the world. I mean, there's no debating that that the at Tampa Bay on paper is a better team than New York Islanders. I'm not going to try to make that argument. But after the first line, the Islanders have really matched up with Tampa. The Brock Nelson line has been fantastic. Sezika, uh, not Sezika, he's hurt. Uh, Clutterbuck and Martin have been absolutely fantastic in the playoffs. Pajot's played really well. You look at the point line against the Barzell line, and it has been all Tampa all day. And in those last these last three games, which have all been really close, you know, the 2-1 loss, the 5-3 win, the 4-1 loss, that's the difference in the game for me, is the point line against the Barzell line. And it's probably going to lead to some lineup changes for tonight. Yeah, I, I, as everybody's been speculating, it probably will lead to a lot of changes tonight. But here's the thing. You know, 
I think, you know, you and I are both in agreement that Tampa Bay overall is the better team. But here's the thing. The score lines alone will not tell you this, especially game one. But I think, you know, for those of us that have been watching play on the ice, these two teams, for the most part, have actually been pretty evenly matched. Outside of Braden Point, yes. The one game Braden Point didn't play, the New York Islanders won the hockey game. And that's not a coincidence. They've, they've been really evenly matched. And like you said, that, that line of, of Barzal and, and, and Lee and, and Everly, they've been practically signed. They've only scored one goal. Right. They've produced one goal, that, that line. And it was the goal so, that tied game one at one when it was like, oh, hey, maybe we can do this. And then seven straight goals later, and they got crushed. And then bing, 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 bang, boom. Right, exactly. Um, it was directly in that order with those sound effects. Exactly. But, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, Perhaps that's perhaps that's the solution is line changes, or perhaps it's just the fact that Tampa Bay is a is a faster and and stronger and overall better team. That's what we're going to learn tonight. The experiment that Barry Trotz will put into effect, hopefully, uh, will be the telling sign there. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think there could there can be and there should be a lot of blame placed upon the Barzell line and not Barzell specifically. I actually think the other two players besides Barzell, I don't think Lee, Lee and Eberly, Eberly especially have not been very good. Um, these yeah. Lee was good in the cap series and the first part of the flyer series. Eberly has been terrible ever since they got on the qualifying round. He fi- he scored that goal in game one. I was like, thank God, maybe he's finally going to break this, but I was wrong. Um, yeah, no, these playoffs alone, he's been abysmal. He's been, he's been terrible. But I think no matter who you put there, and the, look, let's just take the Brock Nelson line, for example. The Nelson, Beauvillier, and Bailey line has been absolutely fantastic. Brock Nelson is, I mean, thank God Brock Nelson got paid last year because if he had to get paid after this, <laughs> oh, boy, that'd be an expensive paycheck because he has played absolutely fantastic. If you move them up to the point line, they're going to look like a bunch of mites. It, it, it doesn't matter who – who the Islanders are that are going against the Braden Point line, the Braden Point line is going to be better. And that, to me, is why the Nelson line has been so good and why the Pajot, whoever Pajot is playing with, has looked good because of how bad the Barzal and Leanne and Everly line is because these lines now need to score the goals. You need the, um, the goal from, Bar- from Beauvillier to make it 3-1 to one in Game 3, and then you need the goal to win the game for Brock Nelson with three and a half minutes left in Game 3 because the Barzell line isn't going to give that to you. And it's time to stop pretending like the Barzell line is the best line on this team because it's simply not. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about um, a lot of teams, maybe not the best of the team, but a lot of teams will have their top line and you'll put the talent there and you put all of the blame and you put all the pressure on that line. And when they don't produce, that's when you go down three, one in a series. And from an outsider perspective, you might think that's what's happening with the Islanders, but it's really not. There's a lot of talent really outside of those three players. Uh, a lot of great and still young talent too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's questionable how to go about fixing that. I think the most the most obvious solution, whether it's the best one or not, is to switch up Bavillier and Barzal, and we'll see if that's what happens tonight. Um, but I I don't know. I don't know to be honest. I think I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to stay the same because losing yeah. Sezikis, and we haven't we didn't get to talk about this. Sezikis just before Sunday's game, which would have been Game Four, um, it was announced that he 
has an undisclosed injury and had to leave the bubble um, to tend to that. There was another um, report. Um, I don't know how founded it was. It was from uh, the fourth period, I believe, that said it was an upper body uh, injury that required procedure. So when they when they are eliminated from the playoffs, whenever that might be, we will find out um, what that is. But I think that losing Sezikis is a killer because now you really only have three centermen. Yes, Derek Broussard played center when he was on the Rangers a thousand years ago, played center every year up until <laughs> this year. But right at the beginning of the season, he was not good in that third center spot. And when they moved him to the wing, he was fantastic. So now to put him back in the center spot is now taking him out of a strength that you found this year. And if you take him now out of the center spot, you're at three centers, you have a wing, you have a wing taking faceoffs on the fourth line. So either they're going to run three lines or they're going to keep the lines they played with on Sunday. Because I, I just don't think – I just don't see a way you can really maneuver this without Casey Zizekas that, that's really going to help them. Because I think if you have Zizekas, then you have the ability – to, you know, maybe move Eberly down and take Pajot and put him up on that wing and man, then have Broussard play center, right? Yeah. And then you have – then you really do kind of still have four center, even though Broussard is not really a center. But you're able to do that, and you're able to, to take Jordan Eberly out of a situation in which he isn't playing that well and let him go to that third line and maybe score a goal or two. But they don't have that ability now. They're short on centermen, so it's going to be tough, man. This is a extremely good hockey team that they're playing. I don't think that anybody is ever going to um, question me on that one. But <laughs> man, oh man, it's uh, it's been very stressful. But it's uh, it's a good stress and a stress that I hope Islander fans have for a very very long time. But we will see. Yeah. Well, so to lose a center, no matter who it is, it's a it's a morale it's a morale killer. It's a mood killer Absolutely. more than anything. It's the kind of thing that can kill your momentum. You know, look what happened to the Golden Knights in 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 the West. You know, in particularly um, in particularly ever truly had momentum in that first game, but they they kept having an opportunity to capitalize on opportunities, and then they would lose it. And that's the loss of form. Whether they were the better team or not in that series, when it was time to capitalize on things, they would give the momentum away. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Islanders do not have the momentum. And but now here's the thing: is they, could, the they so easily could. They could have. They could have, and probably should have won Game Two because, in addition to playing just a better hockey game, Tampa Bay was extremely shorthanded after Kalorin got ejected, and Point was out at that point. And uh, no pun intended. And <laughs> they were down to like nine or ten of forwards. So the longer that game goes on, the more of a chance the Islanders have to put to put one in because they can play four lines deep at that time with Casey Sezikis. Now the Islanders are essentially four uh, shorthanded because the fourth line of Ross Johnson, Derek Broussard, and Leo Komarov, I'm sorry, is not going to get it done. No. It's just not. And now Point is healthy and Colorn is back. So you had that chance when the Lightning were shorthanded and you weren't to win that game and you didn't. Then Point comes back. Then Sezikis is out. Okay, fine. Then in game four, you have the chance to play your brand of hockey, and you don't, and you let them stretch the ice and fly. And once the, once, once the tempo gets picked up in this game, there's a 0% chance in New York Islanders going to that game. There's just no way. They can't play that fast. They can't. No. And that's something that is really good about this Tampa Bay team is that 
uh, I think more than anything, they can adjust themselves. You know, they're not a solid, they're a liquid. They can fit in any kind of container. Uh, the teams that do not get to elevate to that level are the ones that cannot shift based on who their opponent is. But the Lightning, I think, are very good at starting to play your game, beating you at your game, until you have to come play their game. Yeah. And that's what makes the Lightning so good, I think. And once you play their game, uh, there's no beating them at it. They're just too fast, and they're too strong, and they're too offensive heavy, and they're too aggressive, and they're, they're too good at what they do to lose when, you're, when they're playing at their style. 100% agree. And I think the Islanders have tried to take Tampa out of that fast play by just sending Matt Martin out there to fight people. Because, that, I mean, that, yeah. Matt Martin scored a goal in game three or game two, one of the two, and then just started fighting people all of a sudden. And now, now and Anders Lee is tackling people after Adam Pellick scores goals. And it's, it's, it's slap shot out there. I mean, it's insane. And <laughs> the point, at the end of the first, yeah, it was the end of the first period of game four, Matt Martin is skating down the ice and he's down the far side, and the buzzer sounds. He takes, like, two more strides and rips a slap. I don't know if you're watching the football at this time because I, I, was, I was losing my mind. He rips a shot at Vasilevsky, and he completely knows what he's doing. I mean, it's not, it's not, let's not pretend like Matt Martin is Wayne Gretzky. He, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's out there to do. I'm not saying that he should necessarily stop trying to beat the snot out of Broccoli Goodrow. I kind of like it, honestly. But Good television. Great it's, television. I know, it's fantastic television. But, like, that kind of stuff is what they have to avoid because you're talking about a Lightning team who, with their pure talent, can put out probably the best five players, the best five-man power play unit on planet Earth right now. Just with the 20 men oh, they yeah. have rostered, they, with Point, Palat, Kucherov, uh, Hedman, Shattenkirk, Johnson, Kalorn, whatever combination of those guys you want to put out there, probably could put out the best five men in the world right now. And you're just giving them a penalty uh, power play. And you're putting yourself on a penalty kill. Yes, granted, Tampa Bay didn't score on the penalty. But that's not really the point. You're never going to win this hockey game if you let Tampa Bay play like how they want to play. They have to get physical. They have to get legally physical because the power play is exactly how they want to play. And they got – I mean, look, all I want to see in my entire life is the Islanders to rattle off seven more games, seven more wins. Don't, do not get me wrong on that. I would love to see them rattle off seven more wins here and Anders Lee hold the cup over his head. But I just don't see it against this Lightning team. I just don't see it. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be very difficult. And, and here's the thing is that if, if they somehow are able to rattle off three wins and, and beat the Lightning, I think they would have a good shot against Dallas. 100%. I really do. 100%. What just happened in the West is extremely beneficial for the New York Islanders. Extremely. Absolutely. That was, even though it was five games, it was a tough series. It was a, it was a gritty series, a very aggressive series. Um, and that's not to say there hasn't been uh, physicality in, in the East finals as well. I mean, Tampa has plenty of guys who have gone over 20 penalty minutes in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more than anything what they're doing is they're luring uh, Martin into yeah. uh, being overly aggressive. And that is when you catch a team off guard, when they get too strung up in emotion that you just come in and score. Yep. And now That's the good. Islanders are out without their best penalty killer for the rest of the playoffs, however long I like. Exactly. So it's so, going to be tough. But tonight, game five between the Islanders and the Lightning, just wanted to mention a couple things really quick. Um, Bruce Cassidy wins the Jack Adams Award. 
uh, for best coach. Well-deserved, Boston was one of the best teams in the league going into uh, coming out of the, the stoppage and uh, well-deserved there. I know I was texting with Jackson Heil. Um, even he was a little bit upset that David Quinn got more votes for that award than Barry Trotz. So don't even just take that from me. Take that from the Ranger fan himself, Jackson Heil. Understood. Um, Understood. And the other awards will get um, give, will be given out later um, in the playoffs. Um, and if the Lightning win tonight, the Stanley Cup Finals will begin on Thursday. That was a Pierre Lebrun report from this morning that the league and the players want to get this going. Usually, if you know the Conrad Finals is five games, so it'll be five days between the end and uh, the beginning of the finals. But not this year. They'll play on Thursday night if the Lightning win tonight. So you might hear from us uh, more recently than a week if that is true. Uh, we'll yeah. Like- well, I I think more than anything uh, is the fact that. Uh, it's almost like they want to get done with this Stanley oh, Cup. They can move right in the next season, which is not usually how you think about, you know, the championship of the sport. But no. these are extenuating times. These are a different circumstances, without a doubt. Thank you for joining us, Dylan. I greatly appreciate it, and I hope to uh, to see you soon, my friend. Love being here. Good seeing All you, Chris. Right. And that is the end of 5 on 3 for this week. For Dylan Balsamo, I'm Chris Hennessy, and we'll see you next time.